what is leadership? Uh, how many of you have read a book on leadership before? You read a book on leadership. Uh, it's, it's funny because I, I think that uh, it's probably one of the um, topics that's been most written on. Uh, what I, did you know that you can find stuff on the internet sometimes? Uh, there's some things and uh, there's lists and lists of the greatest leaders uh, of the world uh, of all time. And uh, it's very interesting. So leadership, one of the books that I think is an uh, interesting book is John Maxwell wrote a book, The 21 Irrefutable Laws of the Leader. And I, I just, I haven't really read the whole thing, but uh, I wanted to argue with one of them. And then I realized the title, it's irrefutable. Like you can't deny it that these are, uh, that he wrote the book. And I, I guess I can't argue with it. Uh, but you think about these things. What makes a great leader? When we uh, think about history, a lot of times we think about the idea of winning wars, winning wars. Great leaders win wars. Uh, some of the, the people who make the list are Napoleon. Uh, he... Uh, People think of him as a great leader. Unfortunately, some of the other ones that make the list too are people like Hitler. Uh, Hitler made the list. And uh, it's hard to understand why people would think of him as a great leader, but you also can see that many people followed him. And uh, it gets really complicated. You look at these lists of people that uh, supposedly are great leaders, and we wonder if they were great people and whether what they accomplished was worthy of being accomplished. And so leadership gets really confusing when you think about the church. Uh, what is it to be a leader? What does that look like? What is a great leader of the church? And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're actually talking about the word elder, the word elder. And many of you know that as a church here, we have elders in the church I am one of the elders as a pastor, and then we have lay elders as well. I, I really want to be careful. I make this joke all the time, and I heard it, and I think it's really appropriate. But think about what it means. Uh, it's it's kind of dicey. It, it's on, it's edgy. Okay, I'm an edgy guy. You know um, that. Uh, you know, I get paid to be good. I get paid to be good. The the rest of the elders are good for nothing. Good for nothing. Okay. Actually, they're great for nothing, right? They don't get paid, and they do a great job. And I just wanted to remind you that there are others that uh, are serving faithfully uh, without pay. So we're looking at the idea of elder here. And I want to tell you that what makes a great leader in our world, uh, in history, may not make a great elder. Uh, And for us to see leadership in the church maybe as totally different, totally different than what we think of it out in the world. There were many uh, people who were thought of as, as great leaders or good leaders or powerful leaders. I mentioned Hitler and Napoleon. Uh, others looked to uh, JFK as a great uh, president and Ronald Reagan and others uh, to Martin Luther King and even uh, in the Protestant Reformation, we celebrate Reformation, uh, Reformation Day, Martin Luther and others that were able to accomplish great things. This morning, we're really focusing on the local church, uh, really this local church, and looking in First Peter and seeing what it is to be an elder how we see that God, what really what God thinks of leadership in his church. 
you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you from 1 Peter chapter 5. And I want to read down through verse 5. We'll just look at uh, down through verse 4, but I'll give you some context for next week. God's word says this. So I exhort the elders among you uh, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is to be, is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, uh, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. God, thank you for your word. Uh, Thank you for the blessing of having it and knowing that it gives life to those who would uh, take it in. Uh, God, we want to be those who are faithful doers of your word this morning, that we would cherish that which you have said, that we would listen and that we would be changed by it. Do your work through your spirit in us this morning. uh, Protect your church, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So we look to God's word and he says elders. He says elders. That word elder uh, is a word um, that is a word overseer. The one that, uh, and he's really going to describe that as the function of elder. There are other passages that talk about what it is to be an elder. Primarily in uh, 1 Timothy and then in Titus. And in, in those passages there's more of a list of really personality or character traits that describe what it is to be an elder. In this passage, it talks more about the job or the motivations of those who are willing to lead uh, in his church. As you think about it, it starts out and he's addressing the elders. So at a church like this, we would address all of them, but they would hear, I'm exhorting you elders. I'm, I'm stirring you up. I'm shaking you and, and, and charging you to do something specific. And that is calling the elders. And so this morning you may say, well, I'm not an elder and I'm not planning on being an elder. And that, so this doesn't apply to me. That's true. Except for this, this is the description of really what it is to lead in any situation. And really, it's what God thinks about leadership. Zach and I were talking about it this week, and uh, he mentioned to me that he had heard a message, e- either in this passage or another, on elders. And he, he, the one who was preaching said, you know, what's good for the pastor or the elder is also good for the brother. It's this idea that uh, we had talked about in the weeks prior, that we are brothers and sisters in Christ here, that we have responsibility to one another that uh, many of you here today are parents and grandparents. And obviously, God has put you in a situation where there are little ones that you're in charge of, or you have grown children and grandchildren beyond them, and some of you even great-grandchildren. This idea that there are those that that your life impacts. And I I think that that's an interesting and important thing to remember 
is that we're not singular dominoes blowing in the wind. We're not standing up and if we fall over, it doesn't matter. But that we have impact that once we fall or once we move in a direction, there, were, there will be others as well. And it might have ripple effects even generationally, even after we're gone. This picture that our life matters, that God wants to use your life and my life in, in changing what uh, the people around us and really the world for generations to come. And so uh, he addresses elders, but as other leaders too, I want to encourage you to pay attention this morning. We see the elders of the church in uh, verse one. He says, so I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder. It's interesting. Peter writes this and he's talking to a group and he says, he points out specific people and he says, I, I'm talking about those elders that are among you. We're going to come back to this idea of among you, but it, it's just part of uh, the body of Christ that the elders are part of that. It, it's plural here. And that could mean uh, that he's just talking to multiple churches, which he is, but chances are it's also talking about the plurality of elders in a given body, a given local church. And I say that because it's probably more of a practical thing. Uh, you're going to see in this passage that the role of an elder is oversight. It's the idea of shepherding. Well, how, how many people can you watch over? It depends how crazy they are, right? But if you have a church of 20 people, chances are uh, one pastor or elder or overseer could handle that, Right? I shared with you uh, last week or the week before that the, pe- the amount of people that come to Bear Valley Church is like 230 to 250. That's our attendance on a Sunday. Uh, maybe this Sunday, maybe a little a few more. Uh, but really that represents probably around 400 people. And so uh, the idea of having more than one elder uh, is kind of obvious that that would be necessary. And so he refers to these elders and he, he says, I'm going to charge you. I'm gonna, I want to exhort you uh, with something very specific, but I do it as a fellow elder. And so I, I want you to get, get this picture in your mind where, where Peter, Peter is the apostle. He speaks for God, but he finds himself side by side with the elders that are described in this region, these multiple churches. He says, I see myself as a fellow elder. And uh, I'll connect this with you too. He already described these elders as those who are among you. Get the picture here? It's all connected together. They're among the people, they're elders, but they're also connected with Peter in function. And, and Peter describes himself in these ways. He doesn't say apostle, Uh, throwing down his uh, important role, even as a writer of scripture. But he says this, as a fellow elder, a witness of the sufferings of Christ. What had Peter done? Uh, Well, he'd been a follower of Jesus and he had seen uh, his teaching, his miracles, his persecutions. And ultimately he walked with his total er earthly ministry uh, he went uh, to the time where he died and he ascended. And, and Peter, what was he now? This word witness, he's telling what he knew. He's telling what he knew. He was telling the story. I've seen this. I've done this. I, I saw Jesus. He taught this. And so Peter was saying, I'm a, I'm a witness. And what are we? We are witnesses. We are just telling what we know, what God has done in our lives. And so 
Peter calls himself a witness, a fellow witness, a fellow elder. And now uh, he, he connects something very important. He says, as you look at, at, at verse one, he says, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Going to be revealed. In this passage this morning, uh, it's not just talking about today. How many of you struggle having bad days sometimes? Bad days. Some of you just have trouble with bad attitudes. And it makes a bad day. But anyways, uh, when you point to others in church, I just want to tell you. Uh, uh, we, uh, we struggle. And, and sometimes they're just adult temper tantrums. But the message that we're communicating is it wasn't supposed to be this way. This is not perfection. This isn't what I wanted. I want to tell you that that's true all the time, all the time. Uh, You know, this is a beautiful day today. It's a beautiful day. And some of you are going, boy, we sure haven't gotten a lot of rain. You know, sure is dry. You know, and then guess what's going to happen? It's going to rain next week or the week after or two years from now, and you're going to go, man, this kid is so depressed. It's raining all the time. I can't do this. It messes up my hair. And like, you know, we struggle with these things. But, but listen to this. Uh, so the book of First Peter is a book on suffering. It's a, a book on trials. And it's a book on suffering and trials that it's worth it because of the riches that we have in Jesus is something going on today that's tough for you? Maybe you're, you're struggling in your relationship with your husband or your wife or family members. Maybe your job's not that good. Maybe you're all crazy about the election. You're watching too much TV and your kids are making you crazy. And um, you, you look at some of these things, you say, I don't know. I want to tell you that Peter, as he looked on the days of today, he looked towards the future in the day when the glory would be revealed, when it wasn't just the first coming of Jesus that he had trusted in. He was looking forward to the second coming of Jesus, where Jesus would come and bring him into all the glory that is to be revealed, the, the, the next portion, the next life. And we're going to get to that part uh, today as we look at the role of elder. So anyways, Peter's saying, I, I'm, I'm a fellow one that hopes in the day that would be where the glory would be revealed. I'm looking forward to that. And I want to tell you, that's the key. That's the key to our perseverance today is not going, is it easy enough for me to get through the day? But that I look forward to the riches. In the first chapter of First Peter, he talks about the inheritance that we would get. Why is an inheritance a good thing? It's not because you have it now. It's because you're going to get it. Uh, and it drives us to be faithful today. Fellow elder, a witness, a telling of what, and a partaker, and a wait, one who's waiting for the glory to be revealed. So we see the elders of the church. And we see that they are among them. We see that they are uh, connected with Peter, who saw the sufferings of Christ, but also is uh looking forward to the glory to be revealed. Now we get to the job description. Um, Job descriptions are great because you figure out what you're supposed to be doing. Most of us struggle 
to know what we're supposed to be doing, right? We get pushed and shoved and our emotions get involved and our own thoughts of, you know, I should be doing this, I should be doing that. And we do, a lot of times we run around chasing our tail most of the day, trying to figure out what we're supposed to be doing. And so in God's goodness to us as elders, he's described for us what the role of leader elder is in the church. And it's so different than you're going to read in the books. It's so different. Maybe even so different that you shouldn't use the word leader. Maybe you shouldn't use the word leader in the church. Who leads the church? And uh, God says, well, why are you talking about leading my church? I thought I was in charge here. I thought I was, this was my possession. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't make you a leader. Why would I trust you leading my church? But I did give you a role. I did give elders a role in the church. Listen to this. Uh, so we, we see the elders' job description, if you will, and it's the description of something very different within the church. Verse two, shepherd the flock of God. Shepherd the flock of God. Uh, it, it's important that, that we would get that picture, shepherd the flock of God. When you take care of something for someone else, uh, you have to answer to them. If you have a, a role or a job that says you're in charge of this, that's your job description, and you will answer for how that turns out. And Jesus looks at elders and he says, Shepherd my flock. They're mine. They're mine. In fact, earlier, uh, as you look in. Uh, First Peter, uh, First Peter, chapter one, verse twenty-five. It, it, Jesus calls himself the Savior, as he is the the shepherd and the overseer of your soul. And now he calls on us, elders. This is what leadership is. What is it? It's shepherding the flock of God. Once again, he says that is among you. I want to talk to you about that just briefly. This idea of among you. A lot of times we picture, and, and really, elder is the only badge or formal formal position in the church. It's the only one. Uh, some would argue for deacon, and that's a possibility. That word deacon means servant. But elder it has really the only position in the church. And so when you get a position, sometimes uh, you, you separate yourself from the people, and you go, oh, I'm an elder of the church. You know, I'm in charge and I'm not like the sheep. I'm like the elder, you know, and as I look at this, I'm called to be a shepherd and Jesus was a shepherd. So I'm like Jesus, but they're like sheep. I want to tell you that word among you, among you, among you pictures this, that these under shepherds, elders are doing what? They're sheep like shepherds. They're down on all fours among the sheep, just like them, just like them, but have a role in their leading and their protecting of the sheep, being sheep themselves, sheep like shepherds. He says, shepherd the flock of God. That, that idea of the flock of God is to always remember that this isn't yours. I always think of in 
you know, we live in a, a great place where you see this. I always dream of having, you know, family farm or a ranch or something like that, where, you know, California, sometimes we have rich farmers and that's the ones you, we always think about being, not the ones that are poor farmers. But anyways, um, but this picture of this is my family farm and these are my kids and this is, th- these are my, you know, my cattle and my other animals in the fields. And I, this is all mine. And I take care of that which is mine. And I, it, it reflects on me and those are mine and because those look great, I look great. This is not the picture in the church. Elders don't take care of that which is theirs. Uh, it's, you know, it should give us all the willies uh, when somebody comes up to me and they say, hey, Pastor Kevin, in your church, that should give you the willies. It's not my church. It's not your church either, right? We are the possession of God purchased by the blood of Jesus. We are his possession. And so an elder that would shepherd his sheep needs to always remember that. It's very important. There's a great stewardship in this, that we are taking care of that which is God's. Well, he he moves on as he gives this big general shepherd the flock of God that is among you. He goes on to talk about specifics of what that looks like. The first thing he says, and this is kind of a list of this, not that, you know, the big one, the the big description is exercising oversight. The the idea of shepherding is is this thing, and really as you think about parenting or grandparenting or being a good friend, any leadership role within the church is the same thing. He says exercising oversight. It's the idea of guarding them, guarding them, protecting them, guiding them. The, the idea of helping them get from point A to point B, where they are to where they need to be. The, the idea of feeding them, making sure that they have what they need, that they might grow. And then lastly, this picture of enfolding, which is kind of a tough picture, but I, I want you to get what that means, this idea of enfolding. There are some sheep that are, are dangerous sheep, And when I say dangerous, I'm not saying that they're a danger to the other sheep. They're a danger to themselves. And what's dangerous as for sheep? What's dangerous? Does anyone know? Wolves, right? And how do sheep protect themselves? They get really tough, right? No. They stay together. They stay together. And so the idea of of enfolding is taking those reckless or dangerous and most of the time young sheep and pushing them to the center, making sure they're part of the the center. In fact, a lot of times it's enlisting some of the older sheep and saying, hey, can you watch out for this one? You know, keep them near you, you know, Uh, push them in and hold them there and keep them in the center because they're a danger to themselves. It's this idea of enfolding. This is what it is to exercise oversight. This is what it is to be a good shepherd. And I want to Uh, be clear, we're still struggling with this at Bear Valley Church as elders. 
we, we still are working on this and, uh, and we're not very good at it. And uh, we are always working on being better at it. And when we hear of needs, we want to involve ourselves and know what that looks like and know how to help one another and, and for your benefit and your health. It's good for you to be a part of the flock here, God's flock. It's good for you. It's healthy for you. It's safe for you. It's for your growth. And as God's elders here in this place, this is what we desire uh, to help you with. It's exercising oversight. He gives a a few really distinct uh, negative and positives here. As you look down at verse three, he says, shepherding the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly. The idea of being compelled is the idea of pressured to do so. It's the idea of having a, a, a ton of bricks over your head. If you don't do it, they're going to fall and hit you. And you say, oh, I just got to do it. I got to do it. It's kind of like uh, kids doing their homework. Uh, nobody says, boy, it's going to be great today. I'm going to do my homework. It's going to be so exciting. Can't wait to do those 10 pages of math. Love it. Math is so fun. Uh, most of the time, it's, it's just compelling. It, I, I'm going to fail, and so there's this pressure to do so. Uh, he, he looks at the elders, and he says, you're not to be under compulsion, but willingly, willingly. It's that you want to do it. Uh, you, you realize, and, and this, I want to be careful here. It's not that everything in being an elder or being a leader, in, a parent, or uh, with, it's not that everything is fun, but you see it, you want to do it, you want to be a part of it. And in this case, as we talk about the church, an elder should be compelled, and, and not by the ton of bricks, but because it's a thrill to do so. Why? Because it's the church of God. Because it's, it, it's so amazing that he would allow us a part of it. And of all the things, of all, how great is this that we can be a part of something eternal? Compelled by uh, being a part of what God is doing here in the world today. This is, you know, it says not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you do. If God would call you up on your cell phone, you answer and you'd say, this is God. I w- could, could you help me in my church? And you go, okay, I'll help. It's kind of busy. I had some really important things to do. But because it's you, I guess. I want to tell you that God would have us willingly, joyfully, excitedly, work alongside, and that would be good for us. Like, why would God entrust you or me or any of us in what he's doing? And so the idea that we could participate in shepherding of his sheep, what a privilege, what a joy. Goes on to say something similar, but he says, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not for shameful gain. When I think about this, I I think, uh, I I can't help but think about this uh, we had a student from our, our church here and when I was a youth pastor and he was going to Bakersfield College and he was taking a class in 
career or something or something. And they, they invite guests to come and speak. And he invited me to come. And I was a youth pastor. And on the way down there, he goes, yeah, there's this one kid in the class that you, you, at the end, you're supposed to ask if there's any questions. And this kid always asks, he always asks, and wh- what is the big question when it comes to a career? What, what, do, you, what do kids think about? Why, how much do you make? How much do you make? And he goes, this kid always asks this. And I said, great, thank you for telling me that. And so we get to, the, and I talk about being a youth pastor and how great it is and da 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 And the, the kid uh, uh, shoots his hand up and he, you know, everyone knew it. He raises his hand and he goes, how much do you make? And I said, $200,000 a year. And I just kind of went on and he goes, $200,000 a year. And I waited for everyone to just go like, ah, I'm just kidding you, you know. And because uh, uh, he was thinking in his mind, I need to go to Bible school. You know, that sounds like a great gig right there. You know, to go to camps, just kind of hang out with kids, a lot of French fries and, you know, uh, 200,000, easy money. Some people look at the role of pastor as that. You, you know them, you, you know situations, you've heard of them. And it could be for elder as well. Uh, I know uh, my dad had a customer many years ago. He was building houses where he was in one of the pyramid businesses and multi-level marketing. And part of their training was you should go to a affluent large church so that you can have a lot of contacts for your business. And they'll trust you. And it's easy to think through the role of elder dealing with sheep that you can fleece the sheep, right? You can make money off the sheep. And, and maybe, you know, as a side business or something like that, I could sell insurance or sell real estate or something like that because people would trust me. I'm a pastor. And maybe I could make some bucks off this. And he says, no, not for shameful gain, not for dirty money, not being compelled by uh, having money and stuff for yourself. This should not compel you. You should be eager to do it, eager to do it. And so you get this description of someone who would oversee as one that would be willing and eager to do it. And then lastly, and really probably the the greatest picture of what it is for elders to be, verse 3 not domineering over those in your charge, but being an example to the flock. Yikes. It's a lot more fun to be domineering. It's a lot more productive too, right? It's, it's that whole thing where as a pastor, someone says, you know, why should I do this? Because I told you to, right? Because I'm the pastor, the elders have decided that this is what you should do. It's easier to be domineering. It's easier to be pushy and to to exert strength and position and power over people. That's more effective even as leadership. And as you look at these leadership books, you're gonna see to some degree that. And that's why I think it's so different what God says in his word. He says, not domineering, but what? Being an example, being an example. You get this picture, and I would say uh, this picture is a picture in the church, but it's also a picture of parents and grandparents. 
It's also a, a picture of, of what it is to lead in a business or in a friendship or in, on a team. It's this picture of what? Being an example, not telling them where to go, not demanding to explain to them, you need to do this, but rather, I will show you how to do this. I will not just tell you, I won't describe it, I'll show you. The beauty of this is, especially for you younger here today, is that uh, it's better to have a picture. It's better to have a picture. It's better to see it, right? Um, if you find someone who's loved the Lord and God's been honored in their life over a period of time, uh, I, I want to tell you, like a leech, <laughs> attach yourself to them. And, 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 and suck them for all they're worth, right? Just, I need it. I'm thirsty. I, I gotta have it. I gotta have it. Why? Why? Because apart from that, you won't know where to go and what to do. So what's an elder supposed to be? They're supposed to be an example. We struggle with this uh, at Bear Valley Church, and I'm sure we're not alone, but even if we are, I just need to say we struggle with this. We have elder board meetings. We make decisions. We worked on the budget, right? You know, we decide this and that, and, you know, we see ourselves as leaders sometimes. And I want to tell you, uh, sure, we lead, sure. But more importantly, we're, we're examples, either good examples or poor examples, but examples nonetheless. That we are to show people where to go. This is what it is to lead in God's eyes. It's for his people, his sheep, he, he says, I, I don't want you to like, be grand. I don't want you to do anything. In fact, this idea of being a shepherd isn't all that exciting anyways, but it's to be an example to the sheep. And that's why you picture this idea of among you that, that, that they're sheep like shepherds, that they're on all fours next to them. And they say, hey, you know, let's go this way. Let's do it this way. Let's follow this way. We're showing you where to go. This is the picture of leadership in the church. Examples, not domineering, but examples to the flock. Whose flock? His flock. As we walk among them. Well, we get to the uh, last part. Is it worth it? Or the elder's reward. The elder's reward. In verse four, it says this. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. When the chief shepherd appears, this idea of chief shepherd, he's making a distinction that of these shepherds, there's a chief shepherd. In fact, we already mentioned it, right? And uh, chapter 1, verse 25, it says this, for you were straying, this is, this is all of us, you were straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd, the overseer of your souls, right? That we've come to Jesus. He's made us part of his church. He's made elders as under shepherds, and these elders are looking forward to the second coming of Jesus, when he comes again, you have the first coming, coming and the second coming, and that should matter to the elder. I think all of us have had this experience at one time or another when 
you're at your job and the boss left. <laughs> Said, hey, I, I gotta go. Uh, I'll be back at such and such time. I'll be back. While I'm gone, while I'm gone, this is what I want you to do. Here's your list. Here's your list. And I expect when I get back that this will be done. I want to tell you that Jesus has called us to himself. That was his first coming. He, we have come to know him sometime in there. And he has told us that he is coming back. And we look forward to that. That's motivational, not uh, so much in the bricks hanging over our head, but it, it, with excitement. As we look to this, he says that when he returns, the chief shepherd appears, what will happen? There will be an unfading crown of glory. That that's what the elder who has shepherded well, the leader who has led in as Jesus has entrusted, that this is the one who has done well, what will they receive? They will receive the unfading crown of glory. When we think of crown, most of the time we go straight for the gold jewels, right? You know, the fancy crown. But this isn't what, this is the victor's crown. And, and, and the idea here is in, in the games, in you know, Olympic type games or uh, sports competitions, they would weave, made out of flowers and uh, branches and such, they would weave this crown that identified them as the winner. Now, what's the problem with winning in sports? It's over. Dodger fans, it's over, right? Next season, you got to win again, right? The crown doesn't last. I know, I'm a Red Sox fan, right? And so, so there's this picture of something temporal. The flowers is part of that. The leaves is part of that. And they say, I am, I've, I've received, I was the winner. I was the victor. And he says, I'll give you a crown like that, but it'll be the one that never fades. Isn't that awesome? That the, the work of the Lord is church as we participate in it, as elders, as they would uh, shepherd. He says, as I return, as I come back, the second coming, as I, there's, there's eternal benefits to it, stuff that never fades. I, I think about this, and Peter, this is one of his uh, thoughts he shared with it, and it's the reason, the reason that you should keep going, the reason you should persevere. Why should you persevere? Because the, the Lord's coming back, and the inheritance that you will have in him will never fade. It won't go away. We should be rejoicing and it should be motivational for us to know that the Lord will return. I want to give you four concluding thoughts. I usually have three, but I got greedy this week. Uh, four concluding thoughts as we think about eldering and shepherding, uh, both in this church as well as in your other roles. The first one is this. Shepherding is boring, humble, critical work. Boring, humble, critical work. When I say boring, um, 
you can just picture a, a shepherd walking around the, the outside of the flock and counting them. Yeah, there's that one, and there's that one. And oh, they look like they're doing okay. That one looks a little sickly. We better give some attention. And they're just walking around. And what do, you, what do they do when they get to the end? They do it again. They just keep walking around, and they're always checking. And what do you do tomorrow? Same thing. And what do you do weeks from now? And what do you do when it rains? You do it in the rain, right? There's this sense of, uh, I want to say monotony to it, but this idea that because the sheep are important, it's boring, but it's also critical work. It's critical work. I want to connect you parents. Uh, How important is it that you parent? It's critical. How glamorous is it? Not very, right? You young moms, you know, wiping, you know, and stuff like that, you know. It's not that glamorous, you know. Some would even say it stinks. Uh, Sorry. Sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Um, What was I talking about? Uh, Glamorous work. It's not glamorous work, but it's critical work. It's critical work. And for us to find ourselves faithful in that, that we are doing, shepherding is the boring, humble, but critical work that God has called us to. Number two, the scoreboard is the sheep. The scoreboard is the sheep. There's a lot of things that we do in life that it's easy to tell if we're successful. You know, the scoreboard, you go to a, a, a game and, you know, been late to games before, and as I roll up to the game, you, the first thing I'm looking for is the scoreboard, because the scoreboard will tell who's winning and who's losing, and at the end of the game, you can look at the scoreboard and see who lost and who won. There's jobs that you, some of you have that are, are great, because it's real simple. You know, you, you have some kind of bottom line that shows if you made money at the end of the day, or if you did deals, or if you emptied, you know, you got to the end of your list and you're done, you realize if you've been successful. Shepherding's not one of them. There's no scoreboard. The scoreboard is the sheep. As you look at them, you realize they are a reflection of your shepherding. A great leader is determined by the success of the ones that they have led, right? As you look at them, you realize that there's a connection between your leadership and your input in them. It's determining the success, really the health and well-being of the sheep determines whether we have been effective or ineffective as a leader. I want to tell you uh, that that's with much grace, much grace. We will never be great as great as the shepherd. We will never be that great. And we will fail over and over again. And that in and of itself is part of the example that God wants us to do, is right? To admit to the ones that we're supposed to be leading and supposed to be shepherding that we failed them by God's grace that he would give us success as time goes on, that that, that success would be reflected in the health of the sheep. We may amass uh, a great career, uh, great amounts of money, great accomplishments, but our success will be borne out in the generations to come, those who we have led. Number three, uh, leadership is taking care of God's sheep. 
not building our own kingdom. I want to encourage you that all leadership positions are given by God. All of them. If God's given you a husband or a wife, he's blessed you. That's been part of his plan for you. There's a stewardship of that relationship. If he has granted you kids, your kids may drive you crazy, but I want to encourage you about this one thing. They're a blessing, a stewardship from God. And so as God gives us strength, we should be tireless in giving and watching out for them and caring for them and shepherding them. I think of uh, grandparents. I want to tell you, uh, this is your opportunity. I want to even say it this way. Maybe your last opportunity, your last thing that God wants to give you. And and you, you need to be able to say, I'll give it all that I have, all that I have. Why? Because it's God's gift to you. His is stewardship. He, if he's entrusted you with something, he expects that you would give your, your heart to it. And lastly, I, I just want to say this. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. And because he's coming back, it will all be worth it. It will all be worth it. You say, boy, this life is tiring. It is tiring. Plan to get tired this week. Plan to be. And and the next week, and it might get more tiring. I don't know. Plan to be tired. But it's worth it because Jesus is coming back. This is what the elders should think. This is what the parents should think, the grandparents, friends, that we should remain faithful. Why? Because Jesus is coming back, and it'll all be worth it. Please join with me in prayer. Father God, thank you your grace and your mercy to us. Thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus, that has redeemed us as people, sinners, lost, and brought us as straying sheep back to the one who loves us most, the shepherd, the overseer of our souls. God, I pray for our elders, myself included. ask that you would give us strength and wisdom uh, to remember what the job is. It's shepherding, and that we would get better at that, more effective and that it would be reflected in what you're doing here in this church and as we think of the next generations especially. God, um, thank you for this time. Uh, help us as we remember uh, the gift of your son and what he did for us in bringing us to you. We thank you in his name, amen.